0: It is the palpably unfair podcast, episode thirteen, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. I am joined, as always, by Kyle Posey at KP underscore
1: Show. If you don't know, you should know, but now you know, Kyle. How you doing, brother? Doing great, man feels good you know we made it through the holidays had some good football this weekend so excited to talk about
0: it yeah and the nfl made it through without having to reschedule another game i guess now the ravens have gone their first day out of like nine days without having a positive test so we're gonna have this game on wednesday don't know what to expect from it but the nfl continues to power through and of course we'll have you covered here with the uh, reaction to that on thursday on uh, probably on the look ahead is when they'll take care of that you have that to look forward to some wednesday 3 40 p.m football coming your way which is super super weird uh today here on the palpably unfair podcast we are going to talk about our top three quarterback performances of week 12 is it a shocker that that means we're going to talk about more patrick mahomes also i'm going to take a new spin on do you have a quarterback as we run through our worst performances of the week we've also got the nfc wildcard picture to sort out kyle's three defensive MVPs of the week i've got a super serious question about bears wide receiver Allen robinson and much more on tap so let's get involved quickly before we do uh one minute of your time gentle listener Uh, show us some love and apple podcast with a five-star rating if you're feeling extra generous we'd love to hear your thoughts on the programming with a written review we'd appreciate it a bunch but let's get on to the meat and potatoes of the show let's start with the top three quarterback performances of week 12 action coming in at numero uno we talked about him last week And we went to the decision desk, and Kyle had a major projection saying that he would, in fact, be MVP of the 2020 NFL season. I teased it up top. He is Patrick Mahomes, little-known Texas Tech product, uh, just taking a blowtorch to the Tampa Bay defense that is still second in pass defense DVOA per Football Outsiders. Uh, We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, There's been plenty of Chiefs talk uh, on this network lately, and I mean, they are the defending Super Bowl champs and they look primed to make another serious run at the thing, so it's obvious why they're such a heavy focus, but one thing I did want to address, I gave the Yeet of the Week to Kyler Murray on Monday Football Monday, but if there was a Yeets of the Week award, as in multiple Yeets in a game, high-quality big-time throws condensed into one single game, it's got to go to Mahomes here. He had one drifting backwards, and I swear I've never seen a fadeaway with so much juice on it, just a frozen rope the 75 yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill was 55 yards in the air. Then there was the 44 yarder, the teardrop rainbow to Hill. The 20 yard touchdown down the right sideline couldn't have put, been put in a better spot. And great job by Hill on that one to have late hands not tip off the location or the timing of the throw. When, when Hill and Mahomes are on, they are unstoppable. There's nothing you can do about it. And I'm going to actually, Kyle, I'm going to turn this into a dealer's choice. But you're starting a team. And I said, you've got your pick of the litter. Quarterback one, wide receiver one. Would it be Mahomes and Hill? Or would you like give Mahomes like somebody else like a DK Metcalf because like their, their
1: skill sets, Mahomes and Hill, it just seems like it's a marriage just made in heaven. Yeah, I'm going with the, the people that we've already seen just because I'm, – I'm really glad you brought up that Mahomes throw too because he's backpedaling and these throws have more velocity <laughs> than some quarterbacks when they're not backpedaling. It's unreal yeah. and he's throwing the ball in windows where there are no windows to throw the ball. But because he has that much precision and that much arm strength, which is why it's fun to see him with a guy like Tyreek Hill because Hill's always on the move, it seems like. He's always, whether it's running deep or whether Mahomes is extending the plays six seconds and Hill has to come all the way across the field, they always find a way. And I think just seeing them with that type of chemistry and being on the same page, yeah, I'd, I'd watch those two and I'd take those two every day of the weekend. So we're talking about the best quarterback in the NFL and arguably the best receiver in the NFL. No no need to change it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Top five receiving yard leaders so far this year. DK Metcalf and Tyreek Hill are right there. One, two. Both over 1,000. Then it's Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins, and Terry McLaurin. So KC... Has two of the top three receiving yard leaders, and the Chiefs are red hot right now. It just seems like they're really finding their rhythm and starting to just dominate teams. Uh, let's go to my number two quarterback performance of the week. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings. I know. I know. And look, you can't do this because you have to include the whole picture, but like, if you actually look at like what he's done this year and you take away the Colts game in week two and the Falcons game in week six, where he was just like objectively bad. Kirk is straight up balling outside of that. Now, I I do think overall he is still having a pretty solid season. I I don't believe they want him to be the focal point of the offense, but I also think they're going to get fooled into keeping him on his contract Instead of slamming the reset button, uh, like on a full and very costly reset, and ultimately it's going to cost them some even more time. So, like, he's playing just well enough to actually really hurt the Vikings, but I do appreciate the fact that he is playing well, and I can't complain about him in this one. Uh, 34 of 45, his most completions and attempts of the season 307 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, plus 12.1 completion percentage over expectation, just under Patty Mahomes for the week 12 slate. He's actually second. In that metric on the year, by the way, which blew my mind a little bit. So he's been pretty accurate this year. And it's not always dazzling like the 15-yard bombs that that, that catch my eye, even though like Cousins has been pretty doggone good with the deep ball this year. It's some of the little things that he does. And, and just to give you an example, and again, gentle listener, if you don't have NFL Game Pass, that's fine. I mean, you can find the first touchdown that he threw to Justin Jefferson anywhere. But I'll give you the timestamp if you do have it because I'm about to get like really, really nerdy with this thing. It is first quarter. to go. It's third and eight. Vikings are in the red zone, in the deep red zone there. A, the Vikings give Cousins some help with the pre-snap formation. They line up Dalvin Cook out wide. Linebacker Shaq Thompson lines up across from him. This is a man indicator. Then they motion Cook into the backfield to the opposite side of him. Now, Shaq doesn't go all the way with him, but he does rotate down to the end of the line of scrimmage. Again, another man indicator. So what you have is Justin Jefferson from a nasty split. let's, Let's break that down real quick. I said we needed to talk about Jefferson before. We're going to get, again, real nerdy. There are three basic splits for outside wide receivers. There's a plus split, which is outside of the numbers. There's a number split, which is slightly inside of that, quite often on the numbers. There's a nasty split, which is inside of the numbers and closer to the formation. Terminology may change, but this is what I call it. This is what I've seen it. This nasty split gives Jefferson route optionality. So He's technically an outside receiver, but he's got like a slot-type freedom with his route tree. He can go inside, outside, up, down, all around. Everything is on the table there. This is going to make life very difficult on Panthers cornerback Rasul Douglas, especially since, and I know Sewell, Sewell does not have the best change of direction. Sticking with this matchup here before we get back to Cousins, great job by Jefferson on this in-breaking route. So he wants to get inside of Sewell, who is about six yards off in squatting, and to do that... He initially stems his release, stems his route outside. This influences Rasul, who himself starts to lean outside. Remember, he's got to respect both outside and inside and deep. This is a this is what we call a secondary release. Think of the the break point here, where Jeff, Jefferson makes his cut as if it happened at the line of scrimmage. That's the secondary release. So, what does it look like when you're going to release? Well, in this case, you want to re- win a release through the defender, not around him. To do that. You have to move him. You have to make him leave that space that he wants occupied so that you can release through it by stemming outside and giving Rasul that pressure step at the break point, which is going to act as that secondary release. Rasul has now vacated the area in which he was squatting, which means that Jefferson can then release cleanly through that spot. So again, a pre-snap information via Dalvin cooks alignment and motion tells you it's likely man coverage B Justin Jefferson wins his route with technique and intelligence. Now we get to see, and this is all Kirk Cousins. This is man coverage from the Panthers. It also includes a potential hole defender or a rat defender. This is a linebacker, whatever you want to call it. This is the underneath guy that Cousins needs to influence and keep away from that in-breaking route from Jefferson because if he doesn't, this can very, easy, very easily be an interception. And it doesn't take much. Cousins doesn't have to even like look him off. He stares down Jefferson on this route, and that's okay. Now, why is that okay? Because when he takes his initial drop, he opens his shoulders to the right, and to the right, he's got a tight end, a wide receiver, and another nasty split, and a running back to the same side. The Panthers are going to treat this like bunch. That linebacker has to take his initial steps to mirror Cook. Once Cook stays into block, that linebacker then can then play the whole defender that underneath zone but it's that combination of alignment, assignment, and Cousins body language that keeps him out of that throwing window to Jefferson. This is scheme, execution, and technique coming together to create a touchdown. It's a tremendous job on all fronts, and hopefully, like, you learn something from, from all that, uh, probably way too long of a breakdown, but those are all things that you can look for on Sundays, so check out that play, follow along, see if you learn something. Ah, Kyle, to to bring this into a question for you, the Vikings are one game behind in the wild card race after this 28 to 27 win over the Panthers. They have won four out of their last five. They are currently sitting at the eighth seed. Teams with the record of five and six in the NFC are the 49ers and the Bears. The Bears are in an unbelievably predictable freefall. If it's between the Vikings and 49ers,
1: who do you think it's in? That's tough because. The Vikings have the Jaguars, the Bucks, the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions. So you would assume that they'll probably lose to the Bucks and the Saints. With the Bears, it's just a coin flip because you just have no idea, even though they are on a free-for-all. And then they'll probably beat the Jaguars and the Lions. And then the 49ers, they have the Bills, who people would assume that they would lose. And then they, also, then they have Washington and Dallas, who they might win. And if they win those games, they are expected to get back Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, so that means the last two games you have the Seahawks and then you have the Cardinals. So it, man, it, it it's a legit coin flip where I, a couple of weeks ago, I thought that the Vikings would win, but they're just so inconsistent where, man, I don't know. I don't, I really don't have an answer to that. I would, I would lean the Vikings still because Nick Mullins is still Nick Mullins and he's going to give up the ball. And as you mentioned, Kirk Cousins has been playing better as of late and George, uh, Jordan Jefferson, man, or Justin Jefferson, whatever his name is, one of those.
0: One of those LSU receivers. <laughs> Eagles fans would love to forget his name. Trust me.
1: <laughs> He's just playing out of this world, man. I think the Vikings' defense is coming along as well, so I'd probably lean the Vikings. But again, man, you just you just never know in this. In, with the Vikings in general,
0: that's true. You never know what Kirk Cousins either. He could he could go up, he can go down. You never know. So it's definitely going to be tight. It's going to be fun. Let's go. Let's go to my number three quarterback performance of the week, and there's some extra news with this team. Uh, Look, I'm glad that we talked about and hyped up this guy on last last week's Powerfully Unfair podcast because, good Lord, did he put on a show for the world on Thanksgiving, and he only needed 25 attempts to do it. 17 of those went for completions. Of course, I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, guys, Houston Texans. 318 yards, 12.7 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I thought he had an elite throwaway on a second and one where he faced an immediate uh, pressure on a blitz, somehow able to find a way to get rid of it, salvage the situation. He follows that up two plays later with a 40-yard touchdown bomb to Will Fuller. Speaking of Will Fuller, we do have some news on him, as I alluded to, He has been suspended for six games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substance policy. He had this to say about it, quote, Earlier this year, I saw treatment from a medical professional who prescribed medication that he believed to be permitted under the NFL's drug policy. As it turns out, my trust in this professional was misplaced because this medication was not a permitted substance under the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances. As a result of this mistake, I've been suspended for six games for taking this prohibited medication. I want to sincerely apologize to the Texans organization and all the fans for this mistake. I am looking forward to putting this all behind me and returning better than ever in 2021, end quote. Kyle, so we hear this a lot from NFL players saying that they didn't know what they took or they put trust in someone that they shouldn't have. Do, Do you ever believe that they don't know. These professional athletes do not know, A, what they're putting in their body, B, what is banned and what is not banned by the NFL. Obviously, Will Fuller has been, you know, like, banged up, and he's coming back from injuries, and he's always just kind of been that guy, and he obviously wants to stay on the field and and all that stuff, but, like, at the same time, with the the way I understand the NFL-PA agreement with the NFL regarding these things, the NFL can't come out and say, you tested positive for this banned substance, and they can't put that out to the media. So then, the agent and the player can basically say whatever they want to say, right? To put a, a sunny face on this thing, to put a PR spin on it, to say that, like, oh, my my, of course my client didn't know, or I, I had no idea what was in that. Like, Lane Johnson did with the whole, you know, Amino thing. Like, do you believe any of these guys when they come out and say that they didn't know what they were putting in their body, that the, what they thought they were taking wasn't banned?
1: So you mean to tell me these players who are making upwards to $10 million a year and they go through all their fitness, probably work out a couple times a day, have a strict routine in their diet, don't know what they're injecting in their body. We're supposed to believe hmm. that, right? Like, come on. Of course. Of course he's lying. What else is he going to say? It's uh, like a coach in their press conferences. They're, it's coach speak. It's player speak. He is not telling the truth, you guys. Come on. Like I,
0: I remember that. Remember that whole run. I, we were kind of talking about this before the show, but like whenever someone tested positive for something, they were on Adderall. Is nobody taking Adderall anymore? What are they taking now? Why is that not the, like, in vogue excuse? Like, it's, I don't know, man. Like, may, like maybe he did. Maybe he's maybe he's the one guy that made a mistake. But I, I would bet, like, 90% of them are lying their butts off. And you know what? That's fine. You get to say what you want to say in the media. It's not going to help you overturn this thing. And you just hurt your football team because now you're out for six games. And it hurts Deshaun Watson, which is unfortunate for us because it's so much fun when Will Fuller is A, healthy, B, not suspended because that offense can really go with him in there. We've seen that with him healthy for the better part of this year. Like he, he's he been in there rocking it. We saw it on Thanksgiving. It is awesome when he's in there. And it's, it's a shame we don't get to see it. Anyway, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Let's get into some some quarterback talk, and I and I wanted to ask you specifically. So normally we would do like quarterback, you know, duds and whatnot. We would say, do you have a quarterback, and we would break down the performance of one quarterback. I thought there were like a really like a, a high amount of bad quarterback performances. Uh, this week, not only just from the team that I covered with the Philadelphia Eagles, with Carson Wentz, which we'll get into. So I'm just going to read off some names to Kyle here, and he's going to give me a yes or no, and he can say as much or as little as he wants about them. And he's going to answer, does this team, is this guy a quarterback? So is this guy a quarterback? Let's go with, we'll start with Kendall Hilton, Denver.
1: <laughs> just shout out to Kendall Hilton for performing For at least attempting to throw a pass in the NFL, what Kendall Hilton looked like was how most people on Twitter would say, "I can make it in the NFL, I can do this." Like that's how you would look at best, at the very best. So, um, unfortunately, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was someone asking on Twitter, "Could you complete a pass in the NFL?" I'm like, I don't care if it's a screen, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so no, it's not happening. Yeah, we're not gonna do it. Doing it. All right, let's go to Taysom Hill. Had a pretty bad week. Is he a
1: quarterback, yes or no? Against anybody else, they probably lose that game. Uh, ah. Yeah. He is not good. He has never been good. He. I remember last week he threw a, a deep pass, and it it seriously looked like a punt. A lot of pop. <laughs> a, a, yes, yes, that's perfect. One of these weeks, somebody is going to expose them. The Saints are just so good that nobody has had to yet. But, yeah, Taysom Hill is not the guy. All right. I, I would uh, agree with you there. Sam Darnold. Man, I, I want to believe so bad. Me too. I, I want to come around on the Darnold train so bad. Part of it is the Jets, but he just, he can be, oh, he can just make those throws where you're like, Sam, no, we, we did this last week. And yeah. because of that, I would probably be out. But man, you give me, you give me Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan calling plays with Sam Darnold. <laughs> like I, I think I can make that work. So that's a, a qualifier there.
0: Yeah, I, I do wonder what Jared Goff would look like with the New York Jets. I think it would be absolutely horrifying. So who's to say that Sam Donald couldn't be the same thing if the situation is perfectly set up for him? All right, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is back.
1: Is he a quarterback? Mitch threw the ball into triple coverage on Monday night as a receiver crossed his face wide open. Mitch <laughs> Trubisky, he is not an NFL quarterback. Let's go
0: with – we'll go with the final one. Carson Wentz, is mm-hmm. he a quarterback?
1: Mm-hmm. Old Carson,
0: Mr. probably the most (laughs) successful, uh, you know, background of all of these guys, right? Has actually played some decent football in his life, 2019, thought it started off the season okay. I shouldn't qualify this so much. I want your
1: raw opinion. No, no, keep going so I can keep breaking it. I want you to keep going. (laughs) You know who else played quality football? Joe Flacco. You know who who else? You know who else played quality football? Eli Manning. Like those guys have also like won Super Bowls, but eventually they show their face on who they really are. He just, no, oh no is the answer. And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Would
0: would you have said yes or no coming at like this off season, coming into the season? Did you have very different expectations of him? Even if you weren't high on him, did you have very different expectations as opposed to what you've seen this year?
1: So that's the thing. I think Wentz is a – talent. like, he has talent. Like, he's an athlete. Yeah. He can make throws. Like, he doesn't have a weak arm by any means at all. And, like, there are plenty of plays throughout a game where you'd be like, oh, that's why. Like, that's why he's still playing. But then those 10 <laughs> other plays, like, Carson, man, what are you doing? Like, what made yeah. you see that? What? Why? 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 So because of that, there's just too much consistent bad play. And that's why I'd be out on Carson.
0: That's fair. Okay, so when we come back here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast, we're going to get into Kyle's three defensive MVPs from each level of the defense from the Week 12 NFL action. We'll get into some Allen Robinson. We're going to talk some Debo Samuel as well. So some more wide receiver talk coming your way along with the defense. That's coming up next here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast. And we are back here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast, Episode 13, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL show, Michael Kist here with Kyle Posey, and now it is time to get into Kyle's three defensive MVPs, as we do every week, we check out what happened during the week, we say at this level, defensive line, we say at linebackers, what happened there, defensive backs, who deserves to be talked about from each level, let's start in the trenches, where I'm told football games are won and lost, let's go to the New York, we were talking about the New York Jets, let's talk about the one good thing Going on with them, the literal only one good
1: thing. Who is it? Yeah, there is nothing else going on that is a positive (laughs) on the Jets besides Quinn and Williams. On the season, Quinn has the highest run stop win rate and is fifth in pass rush win rate among defensive tackles. The reason we haven't talked about the Jets this season is because we care about your feelings, but Williams has just played like a grown man this season. Do not let those braces fool you. Um, Against the Dolphins, Williams was everywhere. He was credited with two sacks. He had a QB hit, four hurries. And seven, yes, seven of those were run stops. He also forced a fumble, and that gave the Jets the ball in their territory. I remember around the trade deadline when the Jets were thinking about trading the player that they took third overall the year before. Bonkers. That's the reason that we don't talk about the Jets. Uh, early early <laughs> in the game, Williams had a play where he, he came close to tackling Matt Breed in the backfield. He fought through a double team. It was just a really impressive play. It was very Hulk-like, and that was kind of a segue for how the rest of the game would go. On William's second sack, he had a good rep where he just lined up over nose as a nose tackle over the center, where he just ripped there right you. past the center and he took down Fitzmagic. His best play of the game was that uh, forced fumble where he, it was in third, late in the third quarter, he bull rushed Austin Jackson, friend of the podcast, uh, back <laughs> back, and he threw him out of the way and he hit Breida, forced a fumble, and he gave the Jets the ball in Dolphins territory. And the reason that we don't talk about the Jets is because the Jets having the ball in Dolphins territory. Went three and out, man. They went three and out. So, like, I don't know what Quentin Williams else is supposed to do, but he was just a man. He was so good on Sunday against the Dolphins.
0: I remember around that trade deadline, too, like, Bucky Brooks spoke out and said, you know, he's been a real disappointment and so on and (sighs) so forth. And, like, a lot of people that, like, watched film were like, hey, man, you 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 might want to watch that film, homie. Because, like, (laughs) I mean, the dude's been good, and he's been getting better, too, throughout the season. Like, I I, I get that, like, he wasn't exactly living up to, like, the hype hype, but, like, give the guy a second. And right now, currently in the uh, among defensive uh, tackles, interior defensive linemen, he is, yeah, he's seventh for pass rush productivity. According to PFF has a better pass rush productivity metric than Grady Jarrett, Fletcher Cox, Akeem Hicks, Cameron Hayward, Ed Oliver, DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Allen, all these guys that we absolutely love. He's certainly putting himself in that conversation. So, Good to see Quinn and Williams balling out. Good to see something for Jets fans to root about because they have been through and are going through so much right now, including their uh, head coach, not knowing whether he's calling the plays or not. I don't know if you saw those <laughs> pressers, but my goodness, what an idiot. Uh, Kyle, let's get to the uh, second level of the defense. Which linebacker
1: caught your eye this week? So if I'm done to to Hightower, I'm holding out for a new contract from the Patriots because this season has <laughs> shown me how much he meant to that defense and how yes. many fires he was putting out per game. Patriots Mm -hmm. have not been good on defense. I know heading into last week, they were 32nd in DVOA. Just to say that they haven't been good is quite the understatement. But uh, Juwan Bentley, he falls into that group, and he was active against Kyler Murray. Bentley had 11 tackles. Six of those seven tackles resulted in stops. He was just really good making plays around the line of scrimmage. Arizona does a good job of just stressing linebackers the way that they spread you out, and it generally puts – you know, they're linebackers on a slot receiver. So Bentley is slow. I want to make that very clear. He does not play fast. <laughs> uh, but he held he held his own in coverage. He um he allowed 30 yards in coverage on five targets, and 16 of those came against some guy named DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm not gonna hold him, hold him too right. accountable for that. Yeah. It hasn't been a good year for Bentley, as I mentioned, or the Pats on defense, but he just deserves credit for making plays in this one. And even on the plays that didn't show up against the box score, he had an impact on Kyler's interception. Ah, uh, Bentley hopped into the throwing line, forced Kyler to double clutch. Murray's attempt was batted because that's what happens when you're five four and playing quarterback in the NFL. And those were the type of plays that Bentley was making. So it was good to see him. Kind of bounced back in in a way that the Patriots really needed needed to against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really needed to because number one, they were the team most hit by the 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 COVID opt outs, as you mentioned, Donta Hightower, who I think was extremely underrated and a big impact in the in the middle of that defense, really getting things together there. But from from year to year, even before the COVID opt outs, they lost a ton of snaps. A ton of production from that defense they are the 31st ranked dboa defense because they they had so much turnover there and there wasn't much they could do about it especially with covid hitting them extra hard so they definitely need some impact performances from guys and apparently they got one according to our man kyle i'm gonna have to check that game out this is why we do this let's go to the third level of the defense let's go defensive backs and this is a guy that man I really, I really loved him coming out, so I'm glad that like he stuck around, stuck through it, and and is healthy and is balling out. Who's your guy in the secondary?
1: I'm going with Jimmy Ward from the 49ers. Safety, we'll call him a safety, but he was playing you know, slot corner. He was playing all yeah. over the place in this one. That was his best game of the season. He finished with five tackles. Uh, three of those were stops. He forced two fumbles against the Rams. There was one play where Goff tried to lower his shoulder against uh, Ward. Uh, Ward is 5'11", about 195. If you didn't know anything about Ward, you would think that makes sense. But if you have seen Ward play, who is one of the toughest players in the NFL and definitely one of the toughest players on the team, it was a bad, no good, foolish idea from Goff. What were you thinking, man? So Ward was a playmaker, but in coverage, that's where he really did his damage. Ward allowed 16 yards on eight targets. Three of those were completions. Ward also broke up a pass, and some of his best players were just forced incompletions. There was one play where – Goff stared down Cooper Cup because that's what he does. Um, Ward took away the route, forced Goff to go to a second read, and Goff was sacked. So that's how the 49ers got off the field because coverage, and a lot of that was because of Jimmy Ward. There was another play where, you know, he's just in Robert Wood's hip pocket, and these are two, I think, undervalued wide receivers in the NFL, and you don't really see guys run with them or just stay in phase with them in the routes underneath because we all know that they're going to run underneath routes, but still, they and McVay find ways to get open. and. That just wasn't the case on Sunday, and a lot of that is because Jimmy Ward. So props to Jimmy Ward, man. He just balled out on Sunday, looked like a dominant player in the slot, deep, and then in that – Box eraser role that the 49ers use him in. Is this, is this
0: his first game where he has the potential to go to play all 16 games in a season? Because if, if my memory is correct, like he had a bunch of years where he was extremely banged up, right?
1: Yeah, he has not started uh, – the, the most I believe he started in the season was like half. or it, it was year. It was last year because he, was, he broke his collarbone in the first four games. So, yeah, he right. – he, uh, he has a chance this year, and he's he's playing very, very well, man. So it's, this is the type of talent he is. We just haven't had a chance to see it for a full season.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to see it, man. I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see that he's balling out and that he's healthy. Let, let's keep it with the 49ers. I want to lean on your expertise here because you were actually in on the presser with Kyle Shanahan today as we record this on, on Tuesday. And I saw that you tweeted this out. I, I wanted to play this clip and then ask you about it. You said on Twitter, quote, Ask Shanahan if he sees Debo having that Derrick Henry effect, Debo Samuel here, having that Derrick Henry effect, and if he feels that energy rub off on the 49ers as defenders bounce off Samuel. Uh, Kyle went on a rant. End quote. Let's play that clip right now. I mean, it hurts to tackle people. Like, I don't care how you are. If you've ever played football, it's that's why you wake up the next day and you don't totally feel right. And when you have a receiver who um, – is so fearless and physical, and also when you hit him, probably feels similar to hitting a fullback. Um, that can really wear on a team, and it brings a mentality to our offense that is
1: huge. And that's what we were hoping for when we took him. We wanted that physicality and stuff in him. We thought we needed that, and he's brought that a ton. And that's why when he's out there, um, no matter where he's
0: at, and he, he always helps us. Um, um, every time Debo gets going, we've had a little bit of a setback, but you guys see how much of a, how much he helped us and how much he has every time he's been in. And um, it's a lot more fun to have him out there. So that's what Kyle had to say about Debo Samuel. Now we're going to go to our Kyle to kind of explain, because this is great to have a guy like him back, because the way that I saw him in college, it was like when he had the ball in his hands, he was like running back. This is fantastic news for for a team that can't, throw the ball consistently you can just find ways to manufacture easy
1: touches for Debo and he can really make defenses pay yeah what you see when you watch Debo is def- defenders make business decisions when they have to tackle him there was one play against the Rams where he literally broke four tackles on one catch and it was just a six-yard curl route and then he turns upfield, makes a guy makes a guy makes a guy miss and then he's running over people so he gets the to top speed so quick this year he has more yards after the catch than he has actual receiving, so that tells you all you need to know about how well that 49ers passing game is going,
0: baby. But 83 of his 133 yards came after contact on Sunday. That is a
1: bonkers stat, dude. Yeah, he runs. So he's a missile. So like he runs. He, as I mentioned, he gets to full speed very, very quick. And then the guys that he's running into are like 190 pounds too much, but they're not used to that. Kyle, as you heard Kyle Shanahan mentioned that, it's like tackling a fullback. He's just full speed right into you. And then when it comes to the fourth quarter, nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to tackle that again. So that's yeah. why when I see that Derrick Henry, it feels like a lot of the same. And, man, he, it's really fun to see him healthy because there, there aren't many receivers that have that type of mentality like that, where they just want to run you over. Earlier in the season, there was a quote where um, the 49 went to Debo Samuel on like a shovel pass, and Kyle Shanahan said before the hud, uh, before the snap, Hey, don't run out of bounds. We need you to stay in bounds. And he said, Coach, I never run out of bounds. What are you talking about? So mm. that uh, that kind of kind of tells you about this Debo guy.
0: You know, people turn their nose up at me when I say that about Jalen Rager, about how he goes out of bounds too much after the catch. I want that mentality. I want that Debo mentality. And Debo was funny, man, because Debo was super, super explosive in college, and then he kind of got banged up. And then he added some of that body armor, right? Like normally you don't see that on a guy until like you're two or three when they have like off-season programs in the NFL. He added that body armor in college. And now he's just he's just rocked up, yeah. just ready to wreck dudes, man. I, I love watching him play. I think he's fantastic. Let's let's stick it with the wide receivers here. I want to talk about Allen Robinson of the Bears, who in a very important year for him, because it's a contract year. I think we can all understand what I'm saying when I say that. But Allen Robinson, I believe, and this might be a, 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 a take, I believe he is the biggest con artist in the NFL. Now, hear me out, okay? Uh-oh. You might be taking that the wrong way. So Allen Robinson in college, think about this. He played with Matt McGloin in 2012. He had 77 receptions, 1,018 yards, 11 touchdowns. All right, fantastic year from him. Matt McGloin would go undrafted, but he did end up getting picked up by the Raiders. He was employed until I think around September of 2018. That is way too long for Matt McGloin to be employed just because they saw some film of him thrown to Alan Robinson in college. Okay, now fast forward a year. Let's go to 2013. He was with Christian Hackenberg. If you remember, Christian Hackenberg was a very highly selected, highly touted guy who really didn't have a great college career except for his one year with Allen Robinson that was in 2013 Allen robinson 97 catches 1432 yards only six touchdowns but like just like ball it out the dude was killing it so he gets christian hackenberg to the point where hackenberg can like crap the bed for two more years we're sold on hackenberg now now who was the coach at penn state at the time dun 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 bill o'brien okay so now you've made us believe that matt mcgloin could be a, a serviceable backup in the nfl he's not you had us believe that Christian Hackenberg could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not. You had us believe that Bill O'Brien is a, is a functional head coach in the NFL. Maybe that's part true and the general manager stuff kind of messed with it, but it doesn't fit my narrative, so I'm going to say that he's not. Okay, now let's go to the NFL. Jacksonville, second year, third year, all, all baller numbers. The second year was the biggest one. 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. This is a guy with the Jaguars. Jaguars go to the AFC Championship game, and that's what everybody that was trying to defend Blake Bortles in Jacksonville would tell you. I got us to say, the AFC Championship game are one half away from the Super Bowl. Problem is, your quarterback sucks. You don't know that he sucks that much, or, well, I mean, you don't see it because, number one, you're a homer. Number two, he's throwing the ball to Allen Robinson, okay? Now, Allen Robinson goes to Chicago, 2018, 2019, working with Mitch Trubisky, same thing. Fan base falls in love with the quarterback. Blindly so. Why? Because he's throwing to Allen Robinson. Nick Foles, throwing to Allen Robinson. The only thing propping up these quarterbacks is Allen Robinson. He has fooled multiple fan bases in his time. He has fooled Penn State. He has fooled the Houston Texans. He has screwed the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has screwed the Chicago Bears. So, Allen Robinson, the biggest con artist in the NFL.
1: Tell me I'm wrong. Kyle. You make a very good argument because everybody you just named is a colossal failure <laughs> in, in every sense of the word. So what? I don't think you're wrong. I really don't think you're wrong. And I think it, it kind of just speaks to how little credit we've given Robinson all of these years. Because even coming out of the draft, I was like, is Robinson really that good? But as we've seen... He's great. like He's a superstar. He's very, very good. But we will have no freaking idea until he is unleashed. But he's yet to be unleashed since he's been playing football at a high level. So when will we see that is the real question.
0: Yeah. He was drafted 61st overall while getting a quarterback drafted. When was Christian Hackenberg drafted?
1: Pretty sure it was the second round. And it might have been 48 for some reason that number's in my mind.
0: Right. And that was after, what, two bad years after the one good freshman year? Yeah, fifty first overall. Christian Hackenberg was selected before Allen Robinson, and it was all because of Allen Robinson. Man, hate to see it. Christian Hackenberg is only twenty five years old, by the way. (laughs) There's no way that that's true. But I believe it is. It is. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, February fourteenth, nineteen ninety five. That is bonkers. He could. Is was he younger? Is he younger than Joe Burrow? Like, what in the heck is going on here? Okay, well. All right, so that's my spiel on Abby Robinson. Thank you very much for, for indulging me on that one, Kyle, and, of course, the, the gentle listeners. Have you enjoyed it? Tell me what you think. Is Alan Robinson the biggest con artist of all time? Let us know in the written reviews there in Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Thank you for joining us. Yo, Kyle, any uh last words uh, for, the last, for, for the gentle
1: listeners? Nothing at all, man. Just hoping you know we, we figure out how to make it through this season and the NFL gets its act together.
0: I'm with you. I would, I would love – uh for us to get through this uh also safely and not have to watch the travesty that is the Denver Broncos playing a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback because that is an embarrassment for everybody and it's insulting to the fans final thought there all right we are out of here go dominate have yourselves day.